0: Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans' Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh and Barry Trammell, coming to you from the mobile podcast studio after Oklahoma State's 37-33 to 33 Bedlam victory, an epic game in the Bedlam series. Another fantastic edition of Bedlam, guys. It was, uh, it was wild from start to finish and a uh, ton of crazy plays both ways. Uh, Interesting stuff all over the place. So we've got a lot to try to cover, um, but uh, but let's start with uh, with the thing that uh, has the least to do with the game, and that's Oklahoma State's college football playoff hopes. I think they got some help today, Barry. What uh, what what was your take on that?
1: Very good day for the Cowboys. Very good day. Ohio State losing helps. Um, now. Michigan sort of fills in for Ohio State and and then Wisconsin lost everybody thought Wisconsin would be a tougher out than Iowa but Michigan Iowa is not a you know that's not an insurmountable game for the Hawkeyes Alabama getting taken to the to the wire by Auburn Auburn probably should have won the game that helps in that you know, at some point the committee's going to have to say, you know what, Alabama is not who we thought they were. You know, mm-hmm. they've been they've been down on the Sooners all season because of all those close calls. Well, Alabama's becoming the king of the close call. Right. LSU, Arkansas, Auburn. Um, these are teams that are just you know, lose to a And M. These are solid teams, but nothing special. It's not like they're going to the wire with Georgia. So uh, I would like where OSU's at, Cowboys 11-1, they've beaten two teams that are going to be in the committee's top 10 or 11, 12, wherever OU falls to, with a chance to beat another one. I think right now OSU's resume is better than Notre Dame's, and they're going to get to pad that resume Saturday if they can beat Baylor. Notre Dame does not play anymore, and you have the conference championship kicker to add. You add it up, and I think I think OSU's got a very good chance to pass Notre Dame, a very good chance to pass Cincinnati, and uh, I think it's going to be harder and harder for the committee to put a two-loss Alabama in ahead of OSU. So all in all, very good day. It
0: was very, uh, very productive. Of course, Oklahoma State had to come from behind to get the, the this victory, but uh, but the defense plays really well, and now they're heading to Arlington next week to take on Baylor who uh, was number eight in today's rankings, or in, uh, in the, this week's rankings. We'll see where they move up to after their win over Texas Tech. Uh, but a uh, what should be a really exciting Big 12 championship game, 11 a.m. on Saturday between Baylor and Oklahoma State. Jacob?
2: Yeah, that's um, it's an intriguing matchup. You don't know if, Bo, you don't know if Bohannon's going to play. Um, that was, they've also played before. Um, but on that playoff rankings, don't you think just Baylor just moves up a spot? That's kind of what Gundy's predicted for OSU for weeks. Just one spot, so that seems about right for Baylor, right? So, But he didn't... Gundy didn't have a prediction tonight for their spots. You know. and, uh, which I thought was interesting. You know, he's not going to politic. Um, but that win, when you look at it, if, if OSU can beat Baylor next Saturday, it's two straight wins over top-10 ranked teams. No one's finishing that way uh, in the country. And that's a big enough boost for me um but baylor you know they've got smith and and ebner um they're dangerous um i'm blanking on the quarterback's name that played today he played really well brett shapen shapen that's right shapen um played played really well um but he's a young quarterback against this cowboys defense that has thrived against young quarterbacks caleb williams had the most success but caleb williams is a different breed of a young quarterback um so i'm interested in this game next saturday
0: Absolutely, we'll uh, we'll circle back to uh, to tonight's uh, events and what a game it was for what Oklahoma State. What a game State. it was is right. It <laughs> that was, was a ball game. It was fantastic. Um, Oklahoma State uh, has the offense going early, looking like they're uh, they're they're going to be able to score some points on this OU defense. They get the big kick return from Brennan Presley, hundred yards for a touchdown. Um, Really felt like they had some momentum going their way, and then uh, late in the first half, an interception. Oklahoma has a short field to tie the game right before halftime. Third quarter, everything goes squirrely. OU gives up nine, or I'm sorry, OSU gives up nine points, all on either offensive or special teams miscues. They uh, they fumble a ball that they recover in their own end zone for a safety. Uh, Brendan Presley muffs a punt that is recovered in the end zone for a, a touchdown for OU. Um, but the uh, but the defense held things together, and it was an incredibly impressive second half, Barry.
1: This is this season is really about the OSU defense. That's the story of this season. Tonight in the second half was the OSU defense's finest hour. Now the Sooners. This is not the Kyler Murray offense of 2018. But it's still the Big 12's best offense. That's really indisputable. Caleb Williams has been up and down as a freshman quarterback, but he was pretty good tonight. He was not out there screwing around, making a bunch of bad decisions. He was pretty good tonight. The Oklahoma offense came onto the field eight times in the second half. They produced zero points. Zero. Five punts, two fourth down stops, and a turnover. So, it was you know uh, Jacob you mentioned earlier is similar to the Texas game where you know Texas had some success early down in Austin then the last six times they had the ball they make no first downs and 15 total yards it's like now they didn't step on they didn't step on uh, the Sooners that way they gave up some yards and a little bit of hairy moments but you get eight straight stops against Oklahoma and you've put in a nice lunch pail day and that and that's what they did in that second half and that won them that won them the game because if you get stops you can survive a bunch of this other stuff like the stuff you mentioned the muff punt the fumble Uh, they miss a field goal um you know they had the, the terrible you know what let's see the Sooners ended up with uh Three offensive touchdowns and a field goal. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. One of the offensive touchdowns comes after an interception that set up a short field. Another one comes after a bad roughing the punter penalty when they stopped them. John Paul Richardson gets called for a personal foul and extends the drive. So it wasn't like the OSU defense played poorly in the first half. I thought they played pretty good. They were just unfortunate with some of the things that happened. But then they really turned on the Jets in the second half.
0: They did, and it was uh, it was interesting because they weren't necessarily uh, you know they weren't getting a ton of uh, ton of takeaways. They did have the the one fumble and uh, and the one muffed punt by Oklahoma, but they weren't uh, they weren't getting a ton of takeaways. They were just getting off the field, and it was uh, it was really impressive, Jacob.
2: Yeah, and and on that first half when Barry's talking about they played. They played pretty well. The, the stretch that sticks out to me was they survived this 11-minute stretch where they, they were on the field the entire time. Yeah. Um, you know, they had that, that, that uh, roughing the, the kicker uh, penalty extended that drive, made it a 16-play drive, I think. Um, and then Brendan Presley takes the touchdown, the, the kick return back. And so you take 15 seconds off that, and then they get the ball right back to, to OU. And they go down and kick a field goal because it looked like just OSU was gassed, and they hadn't had a, they hadn't had a stretch like that. I don't know, maybe all season, um, or earlier in the season they might have had one, but I it's I don't I can't think of a stretch like that where it was eleven straight minutes the defense was on the field in a game time situation, and um, to, to survive that and keep it going was really impressive to me. And then when you see them, the way Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper played all day is the other the other thing that the defense stands out to me is i knew harper was fast but the closing speed he had tonight was just really really impressive um that next last drive when he missed caleb williams for the sack gets up off of the ground and chases him down from behind it was one of the most impressive plays of the night
0: yeah it was big time and at a, at a crucial time on a uh, fourth and ten when the uh, coverage was uh, was holding up well gave him time to uh, to pull him down and and there was room in front of Williams on that play. He might have been able to get the first down if not, uh, if not caught from behind.
1: And uh, Harper chased him down. And got the got the tackle on third down on yeah, that he drive. Did. He had two straight tackles of Williams in the open field. Very impressive. And that should have that should have ended the game, right? Or, or, or ended OU's hopes. Um, came out, milked the clock, punted. Sooners get it back with a minute to go, 80 yards away, no timeouts. And then the play of all plays, the one that just – I think it it probably did permanent heart damage to probably <laughs> 17% of the crowd at Boone Pickens Stadium <laughs> tonight. Caleb Williams, scramble mode, breaks free, and it's like he's running on an empty stadium. They were literally – in, if you watch the television production – He's running in the open field, and there are no black shirts in the picture. <laughs> he had a 56-yard scramble in the last 45 seconds of a game in which his team is down four. It was the darndest thing, and he sort of ran out of gas. Christian Holmes was able to knock him out of bounds at the 24. But that play gave OU a chance to win, and to their credit, the Cowboys snapped back again and, uh, and get the stops. But whew, that, was, that was heart-stopping.
0: It was, and uh, you know Tanner McAllister came up with a uh, a big pass breakup at the goal line uh, on, uh, I believe, J- Jaden Hazelwood um, mm-hmm. looked like he was going to pull a pull a pass in at about the one or the two might have had a chance to score, and McAllister comes across, knocks the ball free. Um, had a couple of other plays, you know Oklahoma State talked about how they uh, they went to more zone coverage in the second half. The first half they were uh, they were losing a lot of one on one matchups. And uh, they were able to adjust, and one of the adjustments was to play more zone, and it really worked out well. Yeah, they the, they hadn't done that a lot this year. No.
2: They hadn't, they hadn't needed to. Um, and you always wondered, you know, I remember the preseason, zone coverage was a topic a lot Yes, in preseason about how they worked on zone and zone. And I kept thinking, they're only going to play zone against OU, right? Like, who else are they going to play zone against? And knowles stayed aggressive that first half and he adjusted and uh that's what he does and to see them do that and you know because you felt like Jarek Bernard converse was out on island at times in that first half on his own that that was just putting him in really bad situations he had three pass interferences against tech i think he had one in that first half it just uh you just kind of was thinking at one point i think i even tweeted this i thought Knowles is being too aggressive here. He needs to dial it back a little bit. Um, and that that's just what he does at halftime. I mean, what he say at halftime that he just asked his players if like they could play better and they said yeah and he was he was he was thrilled with that answer and went and made adjustments.
0: Yeah, that was uh that was uh, a fascinating insight into uh kind of his his thought process in terms of how he felt the uh, the defense was playing in the in the first half and uh, and what he wanted to see from them in the second half. So Um, you know they were uh, they were able to continue getting pressure uh, even though they weren't uh, they weren't rushing a bunch of guys sending a bunch of blitzes they were uh, doing still some creative things up front trying to get to uh, to Caleb Williams and and they started hitting home a little bit more frequently in the second half and uh, finished with six sacks I don't know how many quarterback hurries but they had a bunch they chased him out of the pocket a bunch made him move Uh, he still made plays and found ways to do things but Um, He is a a really talented player and going to be a good one for Oklahoma for a long time.
1: I uh, charted it, and I actually gave him seven. The NFL rule is if you have a zero-yard quarterback scramble and make zero, the NFL counts it as a sack. Right. To me, that's a positive play for the defense. So he had one of those tonight. So I think it was seven sacks in my mind. He scrambled – until the last minute, he scrambled five times for positive yardage, but never more than nine yards. I think it was 20-something yards he makes. So clearly they come out ahead on the containment of Caleb Williams. Now until the 56-yard run with right. forty five which is, a you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play type <laughs> of situation. But um, I thought they did a very good job. He was hard to bring down, even when they brought him down. He didn't go down easy. Uh, the uh, the Devin Harper play we talked about, you know, a second chance for Devin Harper on one play. Right. So uh, he is going to be a load in the coming years, but Sooners did a pretty good job with him tonight. Um, and it's, uh, you know, he, he's hit some home runs. I thought Mike Gundy had something in. Uh, I asked him about the long run at the end of the game, and he said, you know, I've seen him on, on TV two or three times do that very thing. He said, I've not seen anybody catch him, which if you think about it, his long runs, he's had four or five runs of at least 40 yards, and they all go for touchdowns. Right. He's made it to the end zone tonight. He didn't make it to the end zone, which was a huge factor in the game. Yeah, it was. That was a,
0: uh, a major play. Set up the defense for the big fourth down stop at the end, and the uh, and the big celebration to follow. Of course, the offense was uh, was was uh, they had a fascinating night because they uh, played really well in the first half, moved the ball pretty well. Uh, of course, you had the uh, the kickoff return that boosted the offensive points, but um, they were uh, they they seemed effective in the first half, seemed to move the ball well, seemed to be under control until the late interception. The third quarter. Everything went haywire for them. Uh, they really couldn't do anything. Um, it felt like it was uh, it was full collapse mode uh, for the Cowboys at that point, point. and the uh, the offense was really at the center of that. They had the the fumble. Uh, they there was another interception later. Uh, just uh, a lot that uh, that went wrong for the uh, for the offense. But they found. Uh, they f- found a spark in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Had the option play, which was uh, a really impressive play and a really big play. Spencer Sanders keeps it on the uh, on the option, runs for 37 yards for a touchdown, and uh, and that was uh, that was a huge drive for uh, for Oklahoma State. That was uh, that was the moment that you realized they really had a shot at the, in this game.
2: Yeah, you kind of felt like they were going to score that drive. They took a shot in the end zone, didn't come up with it. Took another shot with Tay Martin, and it was over. You know, they it looked like he caught the ball. Re, you know, they ruled it incomplete. Replay didn't change it. Um, Tay says that uh, one got taken away from him. Uh, <laughs> you know, Tay always entertaining in post game, but uh, then then a couple plays later, Spencer breaks it on a play they've been practicing for. A long time it sounds like um they've been holding back on the playbook a little bit and uh they've run some option a little bit but that one was a little different and uh to get that big of a hole and him take advantage of it i thought spencer played pretty well overall i know he had the two picks um the one was a really not a good decision one was a deflection um he almost had another one that really would have changed that game in the middle of that implosion um because ou was gonna take that one to the house had they gotten the hands on it um but he made, he made smart decisions for the most part, um, run of the ball especially. He was a leading rusher, which is a little weird uh, for OSU at this point in the season. But uh, overall, um, I was impressed with Spencer and the offense for the most part because they were aggressive. They didn't back down uh, even when they were trailing.
0: I thought they were going to try to run the ball more in the second half, and, uh, and they didn't necessarily do. A, a ton of it. They uh, the running they did was mostly with Spencer, and uh, and they uh, they tried to they still tried to throw the ball. They still went to the air um, a little bit more than I expected them to, uh, but uh, but but they found they found what worked, and they uh, and they uh, they got
1: the job done. I thought a key element in this game was the short passing game for OSU, yeah. and it wasn't a ton of throws. But three or four times is like third and four, third and six, and Spencer was able to hit some Tay Martin once on a little little crossing pattern, uh, a little dump pass to Jalen Warren in the open field he, he was able to make a first down. They kept some drive drives alive with with the uh, short passing game, and um, you know Spencer the three the through the two picks and the near interception is not good at all, but. He also made a lot of good decisions, and I thought he played a whale of a game because, you know, the OU defensive line got after him pretty good. I mean, yeah, they did. didn't make anything easy, and they're pretty good up front. And he, I thought his decision-making on scrambling was good. His decision-making on, on uh, uh, when to uh, when to throw it away or when to dump it off was good. If he could have back those two or three throws, which you can't have him back, they're huge plays. But he was under the gun the whole night, and I thought he produced. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going. I don't think he's the all Big Twelve quarterback. But you know, right now you'd say, you know, early in the year you thought nah, you know, most Big Twelve teams have the jump on OSU at quarterback. Now you don't say that. No. I mean they, they're getting quarterback about as quarterbacking about as good as anybody and better than Baylor. So um, I think that's gone from a potential weakness to a, uh, a clear strength. The, the experience and the versatility of Spencer Sanders.
0: Yeah, his ability to uh, to be on the move and make plays, whether it was running or just uh, just moving the pocket and getting away from guys, was uh, was crucial tonight. OU you seemed to uh, have a bead on something with the snap count, or uh, or when the snap was coming. It didn't work for them every time because they jumped off sides a few times. Uh, but they were uh, they were right on uh, on the money with a couple of their early jumps that uh, that looked like they were off sides, but they weren't. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty interesting to see, but it seemed like they had something figured out in terms of what OSU was doing and when the snap was coming because they were uh, they were definitely being very aggressive. It didn't look like uh, it didn't look like mistakes. It looked like they were jumping with a purpose. So,
1: yeah, and that Dominic Richardson fumble that resulted in a safety. You know, the, the crowd certainly thought Perry Winfrey was offsides. Right. Looked like it to me, but heck I don't know. I'm well kid and study it. But um, I thought later in the game Tim Rattay or somebody got with Spencer and said, Hey, let's do this and Spencer did some drawing them off yeah. with his cadence and that played to their advantage to some degree. But yeah, it was just it was just a fascinating game all the way around and um, Special teams was a uh, was a wild
0: ride from the wild, Oklahoma State. Wild, wild. From the Oklahoma State perspective. They had the the kickoff return for the touchdown that we mentioned. Uh, they had the uh, the muff punt. They had the um, roughing the punter penalty. The missed field goal, and then they had the uh, the muff punt recovery that set up the short field for the five yard touchdown uh, drive there at the uh, in the fourth quarter. So. Uh, that was a uh, that was quite a ride that the uh, special teams took Oklahoma State fans on.
2: Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think Gundy's going to sleep well over that. No, um, he's taken. He's been really big on special teams performance this year, and that's not. Uh, that's an average performance at best, maybe. That's that's not good. That's a below average. I'll actually now that I think about it. Um, you know, I don't know how you quantify a roughing the punter penalty sometimes. Um, or running into the punter uh, That was an interesting call uh, I'm not saying I disagree with it Because I really just don't understand How you qu- qualify that sometimes But uh, that really was fascinating And then um, to see OU muff a punt Like Presley muffed a punt was interesting <laughs> It was wild um, And Presley had been so sure handed literally, literally he was not healthy enough to play last week Right. So they had him back there to catch punts only just because they were so concerned about catching the ball on the punts. And then he goes and does that. It was just bizarre. Um, but you get the good and bad at Brandon Presley. And, you know, we talked what was it, a couple weeks ago about him saying his mindset was just kind of F it sometimes when he gets the ball uh, on those special teams cases. And it worked out, but it also hurt OSU.
1: It was that his first return punt or kickoff for a touchdown in his career at OSU? Yes. It was? Well, I think Cowboy fans can take some solace – for reassurance and knowing more are to come <laughs> because he's really good at that, especially the kickoff returns because he hits a he hits seam that the touchdown, the, the kickoff return for a touchdown was a fabulous play because lots of guys catch it on one side and, and finish it on the other, but they do so by sort of going that direction to start with. He goes up the sideline. He catches it near the boundary, goes up the sideline, and then cuts into a diagonal. So he ran way more than 102 yards for that touchdown. And he had another good return later, 40 yards or whatever it was. Yep. So that's going to be a weapon the Cowboys can sort of rely on for the next two, three years.
0: He hasn't had a, a ton of opportunities. I think he's up to about 12 for the season. Uh, but I believe his average is uh, is up over 36 yards per return at this point.
1: You uh, know, who, You know who else played well tonight? Blaine Green, and he played a lot of uh, uh, tight end type yeah. stuff. Uh, I guess it was Logan Carter hurt again or something? I don't yes. know. Yes, yeah, he but was out. Blaine Green had five catches, I think, and um, really played pretty good. I thought. And now if they if they can turn Blaine Green into what they call a cowboy back, my least favorite position in the history of the sport of football, uh, that terminology. I call him cowbacks instead of cowboy backs, but um, if they really can turn him into a tight end, well, he's a big time player. Yeah, because he can catch the football.
0: Yeah, and he uh, he seems to understand the blocking concepts. Obviously, he's not uh, not as big as the other guys that they're running out there. But yeah, Logan Carter was out. Brayden Cassidy still hasn't returned from uh, from his injury, uh, so uh, so they went with a lot of. Uh, four wide type personnel, and they would line, line him up on that wing and let him be a blocker at times, and sometimes they'd line him up in the slot and, and be a receiver. So it was uh, it's some interesting versatility that they have with him in that position.
1: Yes, and think back to earlier in the year when it was the wideouts who were so thin. Right. And the Cowboys went with heavy uh, power formations mm-hmm. with multiple tight ends. their fullbacks out there. So it's interesting how they've they've sort of morphed into the other direction. I always like uh, I always like it when cowboys have four wides because that to me is this base formation for the air raid, and that's what got the OSU offense back in gear when Dana Hogerson came uh, 12 years ago. So um, you know it wasn't great tonight necessarily, but. Presley had some good catches and some nice plays, and um, and Green was able to, you know, sp- split out some from the H back or the the tight end situation. So, I thought I thought the Cowboys have been pretty good at adjusting to whatever their personnel happens to be for that week.
0: Yeah, it was interesting with uh, without Logan Carter and Braden Cassidy, you saw Silas Barr and uh, and Quentin Stewart. Playing uh, some at uh, at tight end, so that was uh, an interesting uh, development. With uh, without Logan Carter being available, but uh, but Blaine Green has uh, has definitely been a, an interesting development at that at that position.
2: It's, you know, I think Gunny talked about his size. He's what two fifteen already, right? Two eighteen right. is what he said. Yeah, uh, he's listed two fifteen. Gunny said two eighteen, um, so he's gained some weight, um, few pounds. We all have. It's Thanksgiving week but uh you know you do that and he may never be the guy you want back there lining up like a fullback like they do with their cowboy backs sometimes but you haven't had a really great pass catching cowboy back if you're if you're OSU in a while and so that element could be really dangerous uh for their offense and you know I you look now and you wonder if they misuse Jelani Woods. Obviously, we talked about that at, at Virginia, the way he's played as a tight end there. But, uh, you know, this is a chance you could really have something special.
1: You know, um, I think it was Gundy on Monday likened Green to Tracy Moore, mm-hmm. who played at OSU, what, 10 years ago or 11 years, whenever it was, as really not a tight end but a big wide receiver who doesn't necessarily have blinding speed but it's one of those guys who with his body control and size and strength can, can win a lot of one-on-one battles. And, you know, a guy like that you can do a lot with in terms of how to use him, whether it's tightening him up or splitting him out a little bit or playing him in the slot or uh, what I call the wing back position. So he could become a very versatile player just like Tracy Moore was back in, back in the day
0: yeah gonna be really interesting to see how that uh, how that develops with with Green. obviously a true freshman and still a lot of learning uh, to uh, to happen with with him in that in that position. So going to be really interesting to see how that develops. Um, we talked a little bit about Baylor earlier. Obviously Oklahoma State defeated them 24 14 earlier this season. and uh, Baylor's got the uh, the quarterback health issue. We'll see how that develops throughout the week. We'll talk a lot more about uh about this game in our midweek podcast but uh but some quick final thoughts uh on uh, on the baylor bears barry
1: i'm not convinced that baylor shouldn't be using the the young quarterback uh all the time he looks a little better than bohannon to me uh what's his name again shine shaping 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 the minds of america's <laughs> youth um yeah, Chapin, um I got to see a good chunk of that game last week when Baylor. Uh, what Baylor? Who did Baylor have last week? Um, I can't remember. Shoot, was it TCU or something? No, they got waxed by TCU. Um, well, anyway, uh, he he played. I thought he played uh, Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas State in a very competitive, tight game, I thought he played very solid, and today I got to watch most of that game against Tech, and again, I thought he was very solid. He throws better than Bohannon. Bohannon is not a great thrower. Um, he can hurt teams with his legs. He, he did that to OU. He hasn't done it to a lot of other people, but um, Baylor might be better off with Bohannon against uh, OSU just because of the mobility issue. But I don't think he throws as good as shaping the minds. So um, Baylor's a little bit in the crosshairs there uh, of what to do. Uh, but I think it's a fabulous, I think it's a fabulous matchup. We've become so accustomed to the Sooners being in the Big 12 title game. You got fresh blood in this one, fresh meat in this one. And oh yeah, you got, you got two schools that are not leaving the Big 12. And um, you know, the idea that OU was going to play in the Big Twelve title game, perhaps win their whatever it be seventh straight conference title. You know that's not great for the Big Twelve. For Bob Bowlsby to get to hand the trophy to either OSU or Baylor, I think is really good for the Big Twelve.
0: Is this a uh, is this a uh, perhaps a, a budding rivalry in this uh, in the in the new Big Twelve? I mean, you're going to have uh, really the teams that would have been looked at as as Oklahoma State's top rivals. Are going to be gone. Uh, maybe this is uh, this is the um, the next iteration of uh, of a rivalry in in the Big Twelve. I,
2: yeah, Waco to Stillwater, right? Um, yep. That's uh, that's intriguing. I think so. I mean, it really kind of depends on obviously um, what Cincinnati and BYU bring to the new Big Twelve. I think as far as rivalries go for for OSU or Baylor, but that seems like the the leaders in the pack. When you move forward um, I will suggest that Waco get their construction And their traffic figured out If this Please. is going to be a rivalry That gets some importance um, That's my only request
1: Well There are no natural when, when OU's gone OSU's not going to have any natural right Rivalry That's automatic uh, Whether it's geography or history or any of that So the rivalry is going to have to develop sort of the way NBA rivalries, which are the teams who continually meet for conference supremacy or Mm -hmm. playoff supremacy. Um, In other words, here's an example. There's no reason for OU and Nebraska to have had a great rivalry other than they were for 30, 40 years, they were at the top of the conference and battling so I think OSU and Baylor have a chance to do that because they're in the best position to step to the front of the, of the new-look Big 12. We'll see what Cincinnati does when they get here. Brigham Young, Houston, Central Florida, all four of them capable. But um, that's where OSU's next rival is going to have to come from. It's going to have to come from a competitive standpoint. Who is, who is going to be standing in their way when it comes to trying to finish atop the league?
0: Alright gentlemen with that I'll bring us to our final segment The most important thing I forgot uh, There was so much that happened tonight I know that there are good things still out there on the vine So uh, so what do you got for me
2: Oh let's go a little bit uh, Not exactly the game action But uh, How about some of Celebration on the field type stuff Of uh, you know Warren Clay Warren Returned the cowboy. Twice um, He rode out with Pistol Pete in pregame and did his chant at midfield. And then he got to be the uh, Pistol Pete partner in the game for a second time with BB and do the chant again. thought that was great. It was a very, very smart idea to get their uh, official hype man back on the field. And uh, sorry, Les Thomas there. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's now Warren Clay's job. And I thought Josh Fields throwing a touchdown pass to Rashawn Woods was a nice touch.
0: That was fun that was uh that was neat because i didn't see it coming i didn't realize where sean was even on the field and then uh and then all of a sudden there there he goes uh, scoring a touchdown so that was uh, that was fun and Rashawn
1: woods was not even the greatest uh former osu receiver on the field that's right because they brought in des bryant who mike gundy lauded for his loyalty and whatnot um so yeah Cowboys. Cowboys were all in on this one in terms of turning this into a, a special night. Um, I'm going to bring up a name. We have not said his name. We've talked around it some. But I thought Casey Dunn had a really good night. I thought his game plan was excellent. I would agree. He, he had some good wrinkles. The draw play uh, to, to Jalen Warren, it's really about the only running play that, that Warren was able to get any uh, momentum on. Um, the option that we saw – Um, I thought, um, I I thought Casey had just a really good game plan, uh, particularly in the second half. I mean, in the first half, the second half was a little unsteady. Um, Both defenses sort of got better in the second half, but I'd give Casey Dunn uh, some plaudits. I thought, I thought his game plan, especially early, was fantastic.
0: I would agree. Uh, He was, uh, he was really prepared. They had, uh, uh, like you said, some new stuff. Um, that, that, that option play was uh, I know we talked about it earlier, but it was uh, it was different than what they've done on the option earlier this season and uh, a
1: reverse for a touchdown. Yes, uh, with Tay Martin going around and then cutting it up the middle. I thought that was an excellent uh, wrinkle also.
0: Yes, yes, it was.
1: All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. We will be talking to you. Uh, we'll have a midweek
0: podcast with, uh, with me and Jacob, and, uh, and then we will talk to you again after the Big 12 Championship. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles.